So good morning. Thank you, Steve. Um, so I said, I absolutely find this an absolute privilege um, that I get to share the Word of God like this. Um, yeah. Um, if you've ever heard me behind a mic or anywhere. I've always said I love the practical side of Christianity. The privilege of standing here is that I get to share the word of God and hopefully someone's life gets changed. Um, I hope I don't just speak this morning for the sake of speaking and sharing a message because I was asked to. But I hope something happens here that changes my life as I speak and your life as you hear. Um, I am going to challenge us a lot today, just throw that out there. But uh, would you turn with me to the 10th verse of the 4th chapter of the book of Philippians? If you're not aware, we're in a series called To Live is Christ. You can go back to the first one. Um, but we'll start reading together. And um, to kind of give you an idea of what's how this morning is going to run, I'm going to read the verse of the end, and we'll go back to the beginning and sum it all up together. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to every single one of those messages because there's a lot of fruit, a lot of like weighty, meaty stuff in there. But some practical stuff I want to pull from all the weeks where you and I can practically live it out. Is that all right? If you've turned there, verse 10, it says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. That at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you, have not, you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need. I, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secrets of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was good for you to share in your troubles. More, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of the acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out to Macedonia, not only not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desired your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from the uh, received from Epaphroditus, I got that right. I struggled with it so many times. Epaphroditus, um, the gift you sent, they are fragrant offerings, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me, I'll come back to this point here. Brothers and sisters, 
send greetings. All the God's people send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's house. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now, first week, Craig kind of went through that this book is written by the man named Paul, who was named Saul before, and our encounter with Jesus, his name was changed, and he writes this to the church in Philippi, which is the first believing church in East Europe, and Craig went through a whole lot of uh, maps and how we, we got to there. Now, Paul writes this book because they had sent Epaphroditus to him with a gift. If you can have that slide up, please. And this is kind of sums up the whole of Philippians. They sent Epaphroditus to Paul, who Paul was in prison at the time. And why was he in prison? Because of sharing the gospel. He's telling people about Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus and it became who he was. It's a summary of his mindset and his thoughts of who Jesus is. And he lives this lifestyle. He ends up in prison for preaching what he believes. And this church he had planted a few years back sends a gift to him in prison. Epaphroditus comes, gives him the, the, the gift. And the first part, Craig preached in the first week and it's the opening prayer. And here he thanks them for sending this gift. Paphroditus comes and he's like, ah, from the church. He's like, ah, great, thank you. Let me write something and encourage them. And he writes to this church. And Craig initially identified Paul's epistles as the, with, with different reasons behind them. And the last one in the Philippians is the cost. The cost of the gospel. Funny he says it's the cost in his writing from prison. He often did that a lot. And he encourages people outside. One of his points that he says. How to live in a way that advances the gospel despite adversity is one of Craig's encouragements to us. This is almost the essence of the first part. He's saying whatever God has done in you has started in you. Let it continue. Let it come to maturity as an infant to a teenager to an adult to a senior, victorious, wise individual. Let it mature. God has started something. Don't let it end. Carry on. What has God started in you? Let it come to maturity. Don't let it end. And then he says, ah, Week two, Craig's sharing with us again. I'm in prison. It's not fun here. It's not great. It's some hard times. But God has turned it for good. The church is writing to is in a in a in a in a environment where the Roman regime reigns. Caesar is the king. Right? It was Caesar. Yeah. Caesar's the king. His rule is what goes, and they are being challenged. In that time, we just said it this morning, our citizenship is not here. And he encourages them that your citizenship is not here. You have a different king. I'm in prison, but I'm here, and the Roman gods know why I'm here. I've got cellmates, and they know why I'm here. 
the gospel is still moving. And he's encouraging them that I'm in the worst place, but yet we get the title of our series, To Live is Christ. I wonder in your situations, is the gospel going out? Those tough moments, your prison moments, is the gospel going out? Are you being challenged in those moments where to live is Christ? And then he challenged us with this. This is Craig. Partnering with Jesus is a response saying, I'll do whatever it takes to spite the cost. And he asked, what has happened to you? And maybe I can ask that. What has happened to you? What has happened to you? What are the things that you find yourself in? And have they shaped you? More so, Paul is saying, I I hope to come out of here. I hope to see you again. He's optimistic about it. But he says, "Ah, (laughs) to live is Christ. If I die, it's gain. This is the cost of being here living for Christ. That's the gain. If I'm dead, boom, glory, God. I'm with him forever. That's not the cost. Being here is the cost. What has happened to you? And is it shaping and changing your life? Then week three, which is actually almost the cornerstone of this whole book. This, this poem that anchors the whole book together. This, this poem about the gospel. Beautifully put together. This is something maybe you want to keep in your mind and refer to if understanding the gospel. If anyone's asking about what this Christianity is about, this is a beautiful couple of verses. I can't remember how long they are, but to just kind of sum up what the gospel is. And he speaks about Jesus. He says, hey, hey, this is examples that you, can, you and I can follow. To live is Christ. Look at Christ. How he lived. And then he goes into this whole beautiful little section. He says, he was in glory, seated in heavenly places with his throne. But what he does, he says, he takes off divinity and he clothes himself in skin and bones to be like you and I. And he comes to serve. He's not found in the churches of the day. Maybe I won't say that. I'm saying tithes and whatever, but any like he's not found in, in high places. He's born in a barn. He's found with prostitutes. He's found with those that you and I would have cast out of our church. He's come to serve. And says, This is the example. He's come to serve. And then he dies for that. So that you and I for eternity have freedom and a right standing with our creator God. The ultimate sacrifice. The king of king coming and washing people's feet. And he dies. He's killed by you and I. The people of the day. 
But thank God, because he raises up, he rises up again, and he is then seated in the heavenly places again, and then you and I can stand here today and worship him. Holy, holy, holy is the King Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We stand in freedom and get to live completely free because of the finished work. No more sacrifices needing, but just acknowledging this free gift that the King of Kings has paid. And he says, hey, 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 guys, this is who we're modeling. This is why we're doing what we do. And this was so beautifully put together by uh, James and Nanette. And their challenge is almost having this mindset, the same mindset of, of Christ. When we see each other as children of God, we are moved with compassion, tenderness, and love, and union with us. When we live like Christ, the tenderness in the heart, his mindset, when we see each other, it's no longer, oh, uh, I don't know about you. It's what's God's heart, what's God's mind for you, brother, sister, how can I serve? And they beautifully went into detail, and hence why I say, please go back onto different scriptures. The Bible does not contradict itself. And it goes into depth of this servant heart. When we live like Jesus, it looks very different. When we have his mind, the love and attitude that we respond to each other is very different. It's no longer a religion. It's no longer attending a meeting. It is very different. If you're not here, it's, please, and there's an importance of getting together. It's biblical, but it's like the, the gospel still needs to go out. I'm no longer worried about my chair. If you know me at all, so I'm here on staff two days a week, and I often try sit on people's chairs because I'm trying to break that. I'm like, like a routine, like go sit somewhere else, go sit close to Craig, go sit close to, and I hope it doesn't offend, but I'm just saying like, we stop worrying about that, and we're like, God, what are you doing? How do I become part of that? What are you saying about what are you saying about Richard? How do I serve him? How do I love on him? And then Paul writes again and he speaks about these two examples that Craig had brought back and he only got to Timothy and never, he didn't get to uh, Epaphroditus. But Timothy, he says, be like Timothy. He was more concerned about everyone else than himself. The cost He was worried about someone else's well-being. I remember, and please, I hope you get the heart behind this, but walking to, I'm from Joburg, but varsity days, I walk into church, and I, maybe it was because I was walking to church, I don't know why, but I saw a guy walking without shoes. And I didn't even think about it. And I was like, oh, he doesn't have shoes. So I just took off my shoes and I gave it to him and I walked. And immediately I was like, what did you just do? I hate feet. I don't like walking barefoot. I will walk with socks, shoes, whatever. It is the worst thing ever. I don't know how people love feet and it's the weirdest thing ever. But in that moment, I honestly, I don't know, maybe it was because I was walking with the church. I was feeling very like spiritual and whatever. I don't know. I just, it was a response. Took my shoes off, gave him and walked off. And the, I was there the rest of the day without shoes. 
something small. Hello? The cost for someone else is benefit. Are we willing to give not in excess the what we've got, whatever it is, to live is Christ. Not just a motto, but a lifestyle. And then Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, Craig was telling us about Epaphroditus, and well, he didn't, but he mentioned his journey that it took 60 days to walk. I parked very close to every entrance of every property that I go to because I walked enough growing up. And he says he walked 60 days just to give a gift to someone in prison. And he, to the point where his health was at risk, almost dying for someone else. Paul says to the church, hey, be like and it's funny that he mentions the church that sent Epaphroditus. Because Epaphroditus, uh, who, who wants to go give Paul? It's a 60-day walk. Anyone here, Keen? Be like Epaphroditus. Willing to sacrifice. Go through the journey for someone else's benefit. Are we willing to pay the cost to live is Christ? Craig challenges us and he says, uh, do we allow people to climb into our hearts? Are we moved? Epaphroditus must have had something within his heart about Paul. Moved. So I'm willing to pay the cost. I'm willing to walk the journey. 60 days, regardless what it is, for someone else. Are we allowing people to climb into our hearts? Paul and Silas going to get into prison because of a lady. Situations here or there are we allowing people to come into our spaces in a sacrificial way for us for the benefit of the gospel to live is Christ's kingdom of heaven here on earth and then he asked us to find a partner to serve with this is a question he had asked us, and maybe I'm going to ask this again. Have you found a person to serve with? Because we hear it, we stand up here, and it's cool. Messages and challenging, that was great. I walk out of here, cool. But do we take what we hear and say, how do I apply it? Have I found someone to serve with? Does what we do here on a Sunday affect my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when I go into the office? I'm like, ah, I really dislike this person here, but God, what are you saying? What is the cost that I get to play in his, her life? Have you found someone to serve with? Are people climbing into our hearts and not just irritating us? To live is Christ. And then Richard, which I think probably anchors this morning, speaking about our past, our present, and our future. Started it off saying, we've all got a past. 
whatever it is, you've got a past. My past might be different to yours, but you've got a past, I've got a past. It doesn't define us. It is not the qualifying factor. Our past is not a qualifying factor, but we allow God to use it. And this is when Paul writes about his own story. And he tells the church, I'm the worst of the worst. I'm the guy that would have killed the people of the way. You and I, Paul was here dead as Saul. He says, I was that guy. On a mission. Wearing badges saying, I'm doing Lord's work. Until I encounter the Christ of the Bible. That I was so chest up about. And he says, people still hold that against me. People still hold it against me, but I still preach. I still keep going. I've got no title. And he, he almost models his life to Jesus, like taking off his title as the almighty in heaven. I've got no more title. And he says, it's almost, it's like filth. I've got no title. I'm just here to serve. However that looks like. We've got a past. But please know that your past does not define you. It is not a qualifier. But let God use you. Let God use your past. You can come to me about depression. My past, God, is used and redeemed. You can come to me about divorce. Because God has redeemed that. You can come to me about drugs, because God has redeemed that. You can come to me, whatever it is. Not because, oh, that was me. I can't believe. God has redeemed it. And God gets to use that to redeem the next person, to redeem the next person. Is our past available for God to use? To live as Christ. It's not a shame Let's look at God. Look at what God has done. Freed me from. He can do it for you. To live is Christ. This is what Paul is saying. I'm the worst of the worst, but my story isn't the defining factor. He is. But look at how he gets to use it in my story. And Wes goes to chapter 4 where Paul encourages the church and he speaks about these two ladies who were quarreling. And he says, hey, and I, I'm pretty sure that already restored or I, he knew about it. And he says, guys, be in unity. Forget the little pity things. Like be in unity. Be in unity. I, there are different cultures here. There are different age groups here. Be in unity. I am sorry if I don't say Uncle James, Auntie Annette. And I'm just using them as an example because I, that's what I think of every time. I'm like, hi Annette. I'm like, oh. And she's gracious enough to not like, hey, I'm, you should call me Auntie. Like, 
I don't know, I should have asked it to you whether I can say this. But it's like, do, do you get what I'm saying, guys? Like, it's in unity. The gospel needs to go out. If I sit on your chair, forget the chair. If someone walks in here, I hope we exist beyond the little pettiness. I hope the name of Jesus coming is still relevant in our hearts. That we're not too concerned about, am I comfort? Was the music too loud? Was it too soft? Did he speak well? Did he speak horribly? And Let's stop quarreling about the little things. The church does not exist for you. It is a good place for us to gather, but please believe that the church exists for those who are non-believers. I'm hoping that people come here. I'm hoping one day you guys don't have a seat. Because someone sat on your seat and it's full. Because people are desperate to hear the king of kings and what's on his heart for them. But your response is, hey, hey, what happened to you? I, I know the right person. Hey, Richard, Richard was, in, he, he was, he was, he was, yeah. Speak to him. To live is Christ. And he said, stop, stop, stop quarreling. Be in unity. If there's issues, take them to God. Vent to God. It doesn't say just like let them go away, disappear. Vent to God. Go to him. And say, God, Tib, sit on my seat. <laughs> but allow him to restore that as well. And then he also says, which is really cool. I didn't realize Wes was this funny, but speaks about turning water into petrol. My man, I can stand around that prayer. But come to God with your anxiousness. When we're in the same mind, our differences are less important. I, I hope I don't go out of my way to offend you. But please, like, we're here together because there's a mission out there. People still need to know who Jesus is. He says he will come when every ear has heard. If he hasn't come, not everyone has heard. There's still a mission out there to happen. And you and I get to be a part of that. To live is Christ. I hope our cultures don't affect us. I hope our age differences don't affect us. I hope the fact I wore a shirt today that I stand here with ripped jeans and whatever doesn't affect us. I hope that when we're in the same mindset, God's mindset, the gospel is still centered. To live is Christ. Christ becomes the center, not my comforts. We're speaking about the cost. Hello? And then we get to the end where he is summing up everything completely. And he's saying to the guys, and I said I was going to come back to this, but he's almost saying he's in prison and he's sending a thank you letter. And he says that the, ro- the fellow believers say hi. 
He's in prison and there's a prison ministry happening. He's not in the most comfortable place, but yet the gospel is still growing. There's a church birth. Two or more gathering. And he even says, which for me blew my mind, he says, people from Caesar's household say hi. The same people put him in prison for preaching the gospel or saying hi to the church that he planted. Hello? They're saying hi. The gospel is still moving, even in our worst times. Is the gospel alive and moving in your circles? And please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Bible bashing like pre- I'm saying is it a lifestyle modeling Jesus happening. Jesus meets people in the worst places and he says, Daughter, when you and I have cast them out. Takes mud and get off your mat. There's just realities of the kingdom of God that you and I get to be a part of. I'm still amazed that God uses me, but I'm super thankful that I get to be a part of something the greater that he's doing. To live is Christ. Is it costing you? The point is not the cost, but I'm saying it's going to cost you, and hence why we're highlighting it. Is it happening in your circles? Is it affecting your finances? Is it affecting your time? Is it affecting things within your life? To live is Christ. This whole book here, we see Paul's mindset. He knows his awareness and the closeness of, of, of Jesus gives him hope. Not his issues and what he's going through. The closeness of Jesus is what gives him hope. If you put the last slide. It says, knowing Jesus is a deeply personal and transforming encounter. Craig shared this in the beginning. It's a personal encounter. I can stand here, share all that I like. But unless you walk out of here and say, Jesus, what are you saying to me? It's not going to change your Monday. It's not going to change your Tuesday. Can I say it's not going to change your family? It's not going to change your workplace. It's not going to change your friendship circles. continuously challenged and saying, God, please, like the people I hang with, I want them to be different because they know me. Because I'm becoming different because I know you. I've said it before on the stage, I have the privilege of leading a young adults group and I'm in a place now where I'm like, God, I just don't want meetings for us to meet. 
and there's some stuff he's been challenging me about and I'm like, God, let the lifestyle out of that place happen beyond just a Tuesday night. Did it happen on a Sunday after here? Did it happen during the week? I, I got messages from guys saying they're praying for me. something happening in their lives uh, I happen to lead it because it needs to be but I hope us gathering is affecting my life and affecting your life the cost I hope to live as Christ is not the end of a series but a lifestyle that this church carries. I want to pray for two people. And every time I get the privilege of standing here, I will always pray that someone gets to meet Jesus. Because that is the point of why we gather. If we want to close our eyes, um, and this is just a private moment, I don't really, in fact, you don't have to. It's something we should be celebrating and not hiding. If you're here this morning, you've never given your heart to Jesus, this Jesus who's literally come down so you and I could be free, live in freedom with our Creator. If you've never said yes to him, I believe. I hope this opportunity here is for you. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, not for my sake, but for your sake. Because when we respond outwardly with something that's happening inwardly, it almost solidifies that. So if that is you, if you are here, if you don't mind raising your hand. pray after me and say, Lord Jesus, maybe we can all pray together. They're coming into a a family affair. It's not an individual. This is the beauty thing about the gospel. It's the only place where so many different people get together in unity. So if we can pray together, Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that we get to stand in freedom because of what you've done. Completely forgiven, And we acknowledge it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, come on. And then the secondly, if you're here and saying, man, I I need that to affect my life. To live is Christ, not just a series. Please don't... I don't want to make it like a pressure moment, but like if you're saying this has got to affect my life, to live as Christ has got to be a reality in my life, can you stand and say this, I want to be counted for that, in that.
please know there's a cost to it. There's a cost to it. Father, I pray for your people, King. I pray that it's not just words, King. But something happens within. That it becomes a lifestyle, Father. I pray for encounters as they leave this building, even with each other, God, where you get to literally live this out. I pray we we see people who are broken. I pray we see people who have financial issues. I pray we see people who are sick. I pray we see your people, King. And we're willing to say, yes, God, what are you doing in this moment? I pray that it affects our time. Not just attendance to meetings, but a lifestyle. To live is Christ. That you would show us moments, King. Show us moments, King. And I pray, God, in the hard, dark times, prison times that will come after this even, or as time goes, we would find our strength in you. We would rejoice in you, King. We would rejoice in you, Father. We would depend on you for strength. And as we go out, King, we would grow in maturity in what you're doing within us, Father. We would become examples of this lifestyle of living for you. And Father, I pray that this church continues to change in maturity because we said yes. People's lives would be changed. People would be drawn here. Because Jesus lives here. Your Holy Spirit moves. Your gospel is alive.